Well, as we first reported about 11 days ago, Americans' trust in the media to report the news fully, accurately, and fairly has edged down again another four percentage points since last year, and only 36% of people in the U.S. have a great deal or fair amount of trust in mass media, meaning newspapers, television, radio, and the sort. Not necessarily uh, opinionated blogs. Uh, and for that reason, I have invited our friend Julie Mackinnon, the executive editor at the Desert Sun and the chief editorial person in the state of California for Gannett, the owner of the Desert Sun, to join us today on the John McMullen Show. Uh, she just got back from vacation not long ago and was gone when we first brought this up, so I did postpone our are having a conversation in more depth about it. But Julie, thanks for joining me this afternoon. And what do you think is going on to drive that number down and down and down again? Hey, John. Um, well, I mean, it's so hard to say. I I have to say I, I get a little bit frustrated about surveys like this because it sort of lumps everything together and it doesn't really help us figure out what people are dissatisfied with. So does that mean they're dissatisfied with sources like IHUB or Desert Sun that are super local and engaged in their communities? Or does it mean they're unsatisfied with things like Fox and CNN? Like I think putting all those things in one bucket really obscures, (laughs) obscures people's concerns rather than um, sheds light on them. Yeah, and and I mean, if you look at the poll that was done by Gallup that they that they released a couple of weeks ago, uh, it it does break things out in terms of the trust. Sixty eight percent of Democrats, thirty one percent of Independents, and eleven percent of Republicans trust media. So that kind of in and of itself tells you that this is a very politically skewed uh, type of survey that they've done. But I know that I hear all the time from listening to a broad range of people uh, who are talking in their, you know, social media feeds about the media that, you know, I mean, people constantly are opining that it has to do with whatever relates to their belief system personally. And so if you're a Republican and you think that the majority of of the media is anti-Republican and doesn't represent your views, even if it's just a news story and not an editorial, uh, then you tend to think, okay, they're all a bunch of lying liars. And if you are on the other side and you think, oh, you know, well, they're telling the story the way that I personally believe in it, then it's accurate or some such thing. And I mean, that's what worries me is how did we, how do we get to this place and how do we end up as an industry pulling ourselves out of that and and being able to restore more confidence in readers and viewers and listeners? Well, I mean, I think there's a number of things that we can do and we do do in a lot of cases. So like when we (laughs) are reporting stories, you know, we often put links into stories to give people a sense of where we've sourced the information from. You know, we try to have multiple sources on stories so that we're not just taking, you know, information from one person, but we're confirming it with multiple um, people. We're trying to go back and add context to stories, Um, you know, and, you know, there are a lot of outlets like us that are trying our best to 
do things like that, you know, but there are a lot of outlets that <laughs> are not. Um, and so it's tough when people are kind of reading a lot of different things and then it all sort of gets mixed up in, into one. I think the other thing, though, is like readers and, and viewers need to take responsibility for their own media consumption habits, right? So right. if you're consuming junk food and then you're complaining that you're unhealthy and overweight and you have diabetes and heart you know, disease and everything, like at some point, I would say, well, you can also change your habits, right? And consume things that are, you know, if even, you know, I'm not suggesting that if you're, you know, there are, you know, not every source is for everybody, but reading, you know, identifying sources that um, you think could um, have uh, reliable reporting, maybe that's PBS, maybe it's NPR, maybe it's a mix of things, um, and try to consume, you know, a, a variety of sources, right? And, and come to it with a critical eye, like everyone always should have. Um, you know, that's, that's, there's a responsibility there on the part of the consumer. I don't necessarily know that uh, this is any more reliable than anybody else. But, I mean, I grew up always thinking and hearing working in this industry that something that was reported by, for instance, the Associated Press was a highly reliable thing because of their policies with regards to having to have multiple sources and, and that kind of thing. And so I've generally tended to believe that if something came uh, – at least on a national or global story, came through the AP that that it probably met some sort of standard, a higher uh, standard of journalism. Uh, is is that the case? Would I be mistaken to think that? No, I, I don't think you're mistaken to think that. <laughs> I mean, you know, the AP is a still a pretty well staffed and well-organized organization. But at the same time, like, I think we all need to look at, 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 at every, everything we're reading and be critical about it, even if it's a source that we generally, um, you know, seems to be reliable. I think we all just have to be a lot more, um, you know, careful consumers and, um, you know, bias does um, creep into stories. I mean, and um, things get left out. And a lot of these organizations are running faster and faster doing, you know, the same amount or more with fewer people. Um, and so, you know, I would be I would I would never say that these sources are infallible, but what I would say is that, you know, we all need to, you know, it's healthy to, you know, if you read something, if you read one story on it, on something that you're really concerned about, you know, read two or three and consider the sources. How many people did they talk to in the story? How extensive are the quotes? Is there like a lot of background? Um, or is it, you know, a one short, brief story without a lot of context? Like then maybe you should like go deeper on it. So. Yeah, I worry about the fact that cable news has uh, carried so much bias programming. And and not that that's a bad thing, but I think that the general consumer, the general media consumer, does not understand the differentiation between when they go from anchored news reporting to opining with some of their primetime TV shows. So where MSNBC is distinctly on the left with its evening lineup of people like 
Chris Hayes and Rachel Maddow and Lawrence O'Donnell. And then the same is true on Fox when you have people like Laura Ingraham and uh, Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity. And they think that because it all exists on channels that identify as cable news, that those vastly different perspectives are are what today's news is made of when in fact those are opinion-based shows around things in the news and i don't think that they do a good job of uh educating the media consuming public to understand the difference do you no and i mean i would say i i Sometimes I don't think that they're interested in making a distinction, Um, you know, and that criticism, I would extend that criticism to CNN and I would extend it to Fox. Like I, I think both of those outlets have completely blurred the line uh, between opinion and news in ways that is really, really destructive um and i'm you know i don't i don't want to one of the very (laughs) if you had to compare that to the pages of the newspaper in the newspaper it's pretty easy to differentiate between all of the various sections of news whether it's the basic news the the national the local the regional the state uh and the lifestyle news and the sports news and so on and then you get to a section that is the op-ed page and you know exactly what that is and 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 it has its place but it's by no means is that the bulk of the print media yeah yeah for sure you know and look sometimes i'll get reader mail from people saying like oh the way this was phrased in a news article or the way this headline was written was you know biased and you know sometimes i'll agree with readers and i'll say yeah you know we could have done better there but like at least we're trying to say, like, on these pages, we're trying to just present the facts and give you context and give you background and give you understanding, you know. And then we have a specific place where we're letting people express their opinions about things in a respectful way that, you know, requires people to bring facts that can be substantiated, but it's still like a dedicated and curated space for opinion. And, you know, we're trying to make that very clear to people. I will say that online, it is, you know, tougher to do that because you're not on a physically different page. You're not turning a page and there's not always like a giant label that says opinion on it. Sure. You know, our stories are labeled as opinion. And they, right now we've added like a like a yellow bar onto those stories to try to let people know. But I have to say, when then those stories get shared, the, like an opinion piece gets shared on social media, if people are sk- skimming and scanning and rushing and they're distracted and they're looking at it in the grocery store line or while they're, you know, at a red light or something, you know, they're not taking in um, necessarily all those clues that we try to give them, <laughs> you know. Right. And so I've had people call, I've had people call in very upset, like, this story you printed about, I don't know, Frank Bogart statue or something else, you know, and I'd have to say to them, I was like, well, actually, that was an opinion piece. It was labeled as a letter to the editor or Valley Voice. Maybe you didn't know that if you're reading it quickly on Facebook, but like I urged you to go back and look because it was labeled as opinion, you know, but we, we, we struggle with that. You know, I've often said I wanted to online, like, print all the opinion stuff with a different colored background, like pink, you know, the way like financial times used to be so that people could really have a visual cue 
that, hey, this is something separate than a straight up news story. And, you know, I think we could do more there, you know, um, if I had, you know, freedom, complete freedom over the design of my website, I would consider doing it tomorrow. Wait, you don't? (laughs) (laughs) Julie Mackinnon is the executive editor at the Desert Sun, and I'm glad you brought up Valley Voice. What an important resource this is for people throughout the Valley to talk about all sorts of locally pertinent things. And have a say in a lot of uh, stuff that gets bounced around in our local media and that this has been a hard-won victory to have that page still exist at a time when a lot of the presence of local media has been disappearing and to give the community that voice it costs you money right? Sure does. <laughs> I know that you've tried to raise money to, to keep that service going. And, and what is the goal on an annual basis to have that op-ed page supported? So this year we were able to um, work with the Coachella Valley Journalism Foundation, which is separate from the Desert Sun, um, to raise money for that position. But that position does cost um Sixty more than $60,000 a year to support that editor, um, you know, for salary and benefits. Um, and so that's, you know, it sounds uh, somewhat like a lot, but when you think of all that person does, which is, you know, convene the editorial board, write editorials, edit letters to the editor, edit Valley Voice columns, select um cartoons, you know, and that's seven days a week, including two days on on Sunday, two pages on Sunday. So it's a lot for one sure. one person to handle, especially you should see the mailbag you have to I edit. It. So, yeah. So um, Eric is very busy. Eric Hartley is our opinion editor, um, but he's eager to have, you know, as much local content as possible. We would much rather focus on Coachella Valley issues. People have something that they'd like to write and have in the Valley Voice section of, of your paper, what they have to do, how many words, etc. The Valley Voices typically run about 500 to 550 words. Um, we ask the writers to submit um, a photo that we publish along with the the, the piece and an email where where readers can um, write you directly um, in response to your piece. Uh, just like letters for the editor, you, um, everyone is allowed one shot per 30 days. So, um, you know, pick and choose your topics carefully. We have some people who write on a daily or weekly basis. And, um, you know, once <laughs> we print one letter, they've got to wait 30 days. So, um, you know, we want people to pick their shots um, for things that they feel, you know, most um, passionately about. And, um, you know, uh, our letters to the editor are 200 words max, and the Valley Voices are 550. Um, So I really hope more people will take advantage of that forum. And, of course, on DesertSun.com, you can write responses to the stuff as it's published digitally. Uh, and you don't have a restriction there, I assume, because I've never been cut off for that reason. <laughs> uh, that is that is true. We, <laughs> there is no word limit on those. Well, you know, at a time when the newspaper business has gone through all of the all of the 
pains that it has to be able to stick around and to um, provide us with this important service in our community. I, I'm, I never cease to be amazed at how many really great journalists you have. And certainly in the last couple of weeks, we've talked with Christopher Damien, James Cutchin, Janet Wilson, Jonathan Horwitz, uh, you know, and, and speak with others as well who are covering various things. You do a really good job, Julie, of making sure that what's going on here in California and in particular in the desert cities is is well covered. So we appreciate that. Um, I never cease to be amazed every time I hear the ad telling us that using the code W-PG at desertsun.com slash subscribe will get you six months, if you're a first-time subscriber, get you six months of digital subscription for just a buck. Uh, how do you do it? Well, uh, let's just say, <laughs> I mean, I think everyone knows that's an introductory offer, but we want people to have a good long while, people who are new to us to come to try out our product for an extensive amount of time. And if they really see value in it, you know, to then, um, you know, step up to the the rate that we need to charge to sustain the business, right? But sure. um, we want you to, we want people to, you know, feel when they're trying us out, to get you know to feel free to come back every day to read our stories to develop a relationship with our content and our reporters and our photographers uh, and then hopefully you'll like it enough to you know to commit i live there i appreciate it thank you very much for keeping us informed and it it certainly uh opens the door for us to think about so many other people to be talking about and I, i again like to point out the fact that even in the early days of the pandemic You had so many hundreds and hundreds of stories from so many different angles dealing with life here in the desert and dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. So thank you again for joining us. Julie Mackinnon is the executive editor for the Desert Sun, and we'll look forward to visiting with you again. Cool. Thanks, John. Bye. Have a great day.